Hello, this is Mark Walton, and you are listening to the Fulham Focus Podcast. Welcome to the Fulham Focus podcast. My name's Matt Poiclair and things are looking rather rosy this evening as we record minutes after the final whistle at Cardiff as the Whites take a two-goal advantage back to the cottage on Thursday with this season's unsung heroes, Josh Onimer and Niskins Caballo, both scoring brilliant goals in South Wales. Joining me to go through it, firstly, is a man who's finally shaved off his Dirk Lehman moustache and his George Best sideburns, although he has introduced a weird pair of pants around his neck post-lockdown look. It's Baldo. Hello, mate. Any explanation? <laughs> God's sake, that was a mask, but your dirty little mind will always make it look like that. But yes, <laughs> that, thank you very much for the Dirk Lehman moustache look. Very nice, though. Sort of fashion statement. Oh, it was a mask. Okay. Also joining me is the man with the stats. It's Moncton FC's number one stato, Matt Arter. I forgot to ask how Margate's favourite Sunday league side ended up when the season was stopped, mate. Technically, we got none avoided. We did, but we were on a. Uh, I think we were on an eight-game winning run. We, we, we were proper on form, and then it came crashing down. But we're looking forward to next season. We, we got we got our first friendly on Sunday. We do. Have you? Who are you playing? Yeah. I, I don't know. Some team from another <laughs> town. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm game, and then I'm going on a plane to Jersey on the same day. It's 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 going to be an eventful Sunday. Uh, I, was, I was about to ask you where you're going to be uh, for the playoff final, but I'm definitely not going to jinx anything. So let's move on. Let's do it. <laughs> Fulham. First things first, then, let's deal with the jaw-dropping news that when the team was announced an hour before kickoff, Mitro was nowhere to be seen. The club tweeted that he had a slight problem and a calculated decision was taken to keep him in contention for the next games. Surely you don't leave a player like Mitro out of a game like this with just a slight injury, do you, Baldo? No, I think I was you know, in the majority of Fulham fans were thinking, oh, what the hell is going on? And, you know, panic was setting in when you don't see Mitrovic, especially as you said, in the game as important as this, you don't want to take too many risks. But then as it starts to go on, as you know, you get further away, you get a little bit less emotional. I start to think, you know what? You might actually have a point here. It, you know, we have another game to go we uh, to go against against them on Thursday night I think it is so if it doesn't work out it you no know, we we have the chance to get it back do you want to risk you know we don't know what the issue is it could be a hamstring injury and you don't want to have a you know Diego Costa in the Champions League final a couple of years ago we had to come off after 10 minutes so you've got to you've got to get that balance out and as many people pointed out you know our stats without Mitrovic in the team have been quite good this year uh so I think I was initial initial stages of panic, but then after after a couple of minutes, just sort of okay, let's just see how it goes and hope that we'll get back to it on Thursday. It's just a shock, though, isn't it? When you're just expecting to see your best player in the lineup, and I had to read the lineup like two or three times. Where's number nine? Where's number nine? Shit, is he on the bench? Oh shit, he's not playing. What's happened? Um, but you're right, you know, our, our stats without him have been good this season. We've um, we've only not won one game, and that was a, a draw away at Charleston. We've won the rest, so um, it, it turned out all right, and we didn't miss him in the end. But Stasso, we ended up with Bobby Reid leading the line, with Anthony Knockhart and Niskins Cabano either side of him. 
And behind them was a midfield three, Kearney, Harrison, Reed, and Josh Onimer. So Harry Arthur, nowhere to be seen either. The other surprise was Cyrus Christie in at right back instead of Dennis Adoy. What were your thoughts? Because I was quite surprised at the lineup. Yeah, I, I, along with a lot of Fulham fans, are also probably quite surprised at that lineup. What I've noticed over this season is we like to keep our cards very close to our chest. You know, no one had any idea Mitro was out injured. And we only found out with the team lineup. And it's been like that all season. You know, when Kamara was out injured, we had no idea why he was out injured. And it even comes down to the team lineup when we don't even do it by formation. And I, I don't know if that's something that Parker wants to do himself, whether, you know, it's not to disclose any tactics or any slight advantage to the opposition. But, yeah, we're always kept in the dark. So when when the Metro news came, came out, it was very surprising. I think, you know, for the rest of the team, Christy Fordoy was a slight surprise, but I think it worked well. But, you know, it's something I wasn't expecting. I think having Onima, Kearney and Reed in midfield was probably what was going to happen. We'll talk about Kearney later probably, but, you know, Parker's never going to drop him or Onima and Reed's just, he's, he's, he is you know, a definite starter at this point. So, yeah, it was, it was quite an interesting starting eleven and one that I wasn't expecting for this game. You're right, and I, I take your point that Cyrus Christie did have a good game, but I, I just I just think that recently we've been playing Dennis Adoy away from home as right back and uh, and Cyrus Christie at home, so it's just a surprise to see him. But yeah, all the while he's playing like that, then then he should be in the team. He had a good game. Um, you mentioned Harrison Reed there. It was a lively opening where we were under the cosh a little bit, but Harrison Reed gave us a scare quite early on when he went down holding his knee. Looked like he was going to go off. He looked like he was in a lot of pain, but he managed to get up and run it off, thankfully. Um, then on 13 minutes, Marek Rodak made a save from, from a Cardiff shot from, from just outside the box. And Michael Hector made a tackle that would not have looked out of place in the Premier League. Talk me through that tackle, Baldo. Yeah, I, I think you really have to start with you know the whole passage of play. I can't remember who the Cardiff player was. Took a shot. Rodak, I think, has to do a lot better with that, um, you know, dealing dealing with the shot, maybe pushing it out wide or just holding on to it. But the way that Hector dealt with the rebound, and it's funny because Scott Parker was just talking to the game, uh, talking uh, to Sky Sports just as we were setting up. And he talked about the, the desperation, you know, the commitment that you want to show and that it wasn't really there last season, but now it's sort of kicked into gear, is it? And I think that's sort of what that tackle was. It was a great bit of skill, but I think it's more... A fact that you know he knew that you no, know, this is a big pressure situation. I've got to do something. You know, would he have been willing to make that tackle in some throwaway Tuesday night game against Hull back in September? You know, maybe not. But in a game like this, when everything's on the line, just that little bit of extra, uh, little bit of extra motivation to try and make that tackle, and it was. I, I, some people said it was the best Fulham tackle that they've ever seen, or something along those lines. Um, my knowledge of tackles isn't all that great, so I'll have to, you know, vouch their knowledge on that. But yeah, it was. A, I, I know what you're thinking, Frenchie. Don't. I know what you're thinking. But yeah, so I'll, I'll lean to their knowledge on that. But it was a brilliant piece of defense. Brilliant piece of defending. Yeah, it wasn't just the way that he got his football, but the ball was a, a really awkward height because it was just in the ascendancy, and he managed to get his um, leg over the top of it and hook it, hook it away and, and then even found a Fulham player when he swung his leg at it to, to get it away and avoid the um, oncoming Cardiff player as well. It was an outstanding tackle, just ahead of the tackle and when you look at it from the angle that you see initially on TV, 
you don't you don't really appreciate how good it is and it looks like you're just waiting for the net to bulge and um and you know he's done so well to get it away um kind of had another good chance in the penalty area shortly afterwards which was saved by Bonac, and we were we were giving them a bit of space in the penalty area i have to say i was quite impressed by cardiff in the opening stages they they didn't look like a side who were bottom of the possession table throughout the course of the season certainly I also felt that they were first and most 50-50, certainly up until the first water break. I think if that had been a boxing match, they would have won that first period on points. What, what do you think, Stato? Yeah, definitely. And I think this shows that football is you know, it's a game of two halves. We'll talk about the second half later. But in this first half, it was definitely quite cagey and nervous as a Fulham fan. Cardiff, they had the best chances. They were on top of it. We were sitting back quite deep. Harrison Reed was putting challenges in left, right and centre. And yeah, it was, I I was beginning to kind of fear the worst here that without Mitrovic, we were looking a bit flat and there wasn't anything going forward. And I thought that we could be in a bit of trouble. And then the drinks break happened and we we did improve a bit after that. And it's interesting that now these drinks breaks have been brought in. It's almost a, a game of four quarters now. Like you've seen it's happened so many times over the season where a drinks break happens and, suddenly the other a team improves drastically because, you know, they get that few minutes out, they get the manager to talk to them. In Brentford's case, they get the chalkboard out or whatever. And, yeah, it, it was, it's good that we kind of managed to regain our composure a bit and grow into the game as it went on. You're right. Yeah, it was it was weird watching the Brentford game last night, actually, with, with Thomas Frank getting called out. They even said on Sky, didn't they, that, you know, that there's, there's no rule to say that you can't, but... Is it really appropriate that he does that? Come on, it's, it's the middle of summer. You're supposed to just be having a quick drink and then let's carry on. But anyway, it didn't work out for them because they lost 1-0, which is a shame. Um, after the drinks break, as you said, we uh, we looked more settled and we kept the ball quite nicely. We had our best chance through Josh Onimer, who arrived late at the back post to, I think, uh, Niskan Scabano hanging cross, but his effort was saved. Our attacks in the first half generally looked quite weak, though, and we were unimaginative and just lacked a bit of energy for me. Um, and I felt like Cardiff always seemed to have more players in the penalty area than us all Yeah, and I think it was something, again, it was something the Sky Sports pointed out. A couple of times we got the ball out wide and then there was no one in the box. And it's been a you know a thing we've been, I pointed out, I think it was in the Nottingham Forest game. But again, we were without Mitrovic then. The ball would go out wide and you're looking for someone to cross it and there was no one, yeah, and there was no one in the box to receive it. So I think it's just you know a mismatch. Of styles, and we want to play one way, but we don't have the players. Uh, we don't have the players to sort of you know, to cope with that system. Yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily think it was a case of Bobby being there. It was just a case of Bobby Reed being there, but there also being three or four Cardiff defenders around him. So it's just pointless pumping the ball into the box because he's he's never gonna never gonna come away with it. Um, we we had another really good chance right on half time. Tom Kearney picked the ball up on the edge of the, and I thought it was in. He, and I'd leapt across the room, and yeah, it's, it's just gone wide. Um, Stasso, how did you think Tom Kearney played overall? Uh, Kearney, he's he's been an interesting topic of late for all Fulham fans, and it's, I think there's a growing number of people who don't really see his value anymore, and I think this first half especially showed it. That that chance at the end is probably kind of one of the only examples where we've seen him getting forward, and you kind of see a glimpse of the old Kearney, where he looks to get that shot away, but... I think too many times, especially in this restart and in this game today, he's just sitting far too deep and he's playing the safe pass and he's just looking like a shadow of his former self. And 
what we've got now, we have a, today we've had a midfield three of Kearney, Onoma and Reed. So Harrison Reed, he plays that defensive midfield role and he plays it fantastically well. And that's what you want. And then you have Onoma who likes to get further forward. And he, he probably played further forward than Kearney today, almost almost as a second striker at times, nodding the ball down to Bobby Reed, And that's fine. You want Onoma there. So that leaves that third midfield position. And generally what you want there is kind of a, a box-to-box one who can get the tackles in. You know, you want a Harry Arto or Stefan Johansson. You, you don't want a half-arsed Tom Kearney who's just paying the safe pass and not really contributing much. So you do need to question what his value is in the team at the moment. Yeah, I, I think that's true. He is quite uh, a player who divides opinion at the moment. He's really quite divisive. Baldo, anything to add on Tom Kearney? No, I think I think this game as a whole sort of, there's, there's the argument for both sides. If you're not a Tom Kearney fan, there's enough for you to say, right, this is why we need to get rid of him. And if you are a Tom Kearney fan, there were a couple of bright sparks in the, in the game for you to say, right, this is why we should have him. It was a bit of an up and down performance from him. That's all I got to add. All right. So I'm going to ask you both then. At half time, how did you both feel? Were you both satisfied? Were you happier than you, you thought you would be? Um, you know, it's nil nil. We've, we've had quite a, um, a half of two halves, as Stato put it, and a half of two quarters or whatever, however you want to say it. Um, how did you feel? Stato, I'll come to you first. I I was frustrated, but at the same time, I wasn't shocked. If you look at that starting eleven and look at how we've played generally without Mitrovic this season, you you know that we're in for a game where we have a lot of possession and not many chances. And it's frustrating in the sense that we were playing the same type of system as if we had Mitrovic in the team, in that we have a big striker in the middle who can win the headers and we can get crosses in. And we were doing that, but the only problem was we had Bobby Reed in the middle who doesn't He's not that type of striker. And it was just kind of frustrating that, you know, Parker didn't seem to adapt or change the game plan in the absence of Mitrovic. Um, and yeah, there was just, I felt it was just a bit of a flat game and things needed to change for the second half for us to improve. Um, yeah, I think I, I was sort of in, in your mindset, uh, French, you've been putting in the chat that you'd be happy with the boring nil-nil draw, you know, three, you know, three boring games, you know, you know, three boring wins if we can deal with that, then then that'd be that'd be gravy. Um, I think that's pretty much the same, you know, with the hope, you know, as we're going through the game. The hope that if we can keep it nil-nil as long as they don't have the lead, I think if we can get Mitrovic back, that might give us a little bit of impetus. Uh so if we can have nil-nil and then him back in second leg, that should give us an advantage. So with nil-nil, I wasn't, you know, I was a bit frustrated with the performance. I think most people were because we weren't creating much. But as in terms of the overall result, I wasn't I wasn't really panicking at that stage. No, I, I would have been quite happy with the no nil tonight, uh, particularly when I saw that Mitrovic wasn't available. Um, so to come away with the result that we did in the end was fantastic. Quite comfortable and quite happy with it, and I thought that we'd probably come come into it more in the second half. Um, and just after half time, of course, Lino on a Messi gave us the lead, and what a goal! Come on, boys, talk to me. Well, um, it was just fantastic. And it kind of came out of nowhere. The cross came in, it went out, out towards the back stick and then there was a bit of uh, bobbling around and it came to him on the edge of the box. And he's been in great form since the restart. He's been absolute fire on him, has. He's, he's just been fantastic. I don't know what, what has happened to him, but he's just come on leaps and bounds this season. And the way he just took it down, he just glided past one player and then he glided past the other and the little finish. It was almost reminiscent of Tom Kearney from a few seasons ago but with his right foot, obviously. And 
yeah, he's just oozing confidence right now. And it was just the start we needed for the second half. A great goal. Yeah, it was fantastic goal. And I think I, I said it on Twitter afterwards, you know, if Messi scores that goal, we're talking about it for years and it, it's goal of the season. It was, you know, not it wasn't that great, but it was a fantastic piece of footwork. And as you said, Matt Arthur, I think he's been, you know, the player of the restart. I think there's, if you want to sort of wait, depending on how much you want to wait his performance since the restart, I think there's a case for him to be player of the season, if I'm being, if I'm being brutally honest, just because of the way he's you know, developed, you know, his, his bad starts. And then even through, you know, in December, the game against Leeds, he scored an important goal. He's been developing all the way through the season. And now we're just starting to see, you know, the fruits of the labor as it were. And again, Scott Parker said it after the game. It, maybe it's just a case of he needs to find the right system. And this system is working for him perfectly. So it's, just been fantastic to see the way he's been developing over the past couple of months. He's the sort of player that you look to look at, you you wouldn't necessarily think that he was capable of a goal like that because he's quite stocky and well built, but he was very agile in the way that he danced through three or four Cardiff players for that goal. And yeah, I I definitely woke my mum's neighbours up, I think, when uh, when I leapt across the room celebrating that goal because it like you said, it came out of nowhere and, and he took it so well. Fantastic goal. It was um, nine and o'clock, the goal, they were sleeping. Oh, they're older, though. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, we, we, we don't all stay up till midnight, mate. Anyway, after the goal, we looked excellent and like we were going to score again. Bobby Reed came close after a knockdown from Onima. Um, but we just looked a bit more assured after the goal, didn't we? We looked more settled, Stato. Yeah, we just started to grow into the game a lot more. Uh, I think the co-commentator on the game was uh, Danny Higginbottom, and he made a good point that we were kind of playing 10 yards further forward. And you could see that because, you know, we were pushing further forward. We were more comfortable in the ball in their half. We had more of the ball. We were playing you know, more attacking and more kind of risky passes that were paying off. And, yeah, we were looking in control. We still weren't getting a ton of shots away, but that was fine because we were just comfortable and we were making Cardiff just work for it and giving them very few chances to try and, you know, get us on the counter. Yeah, good stuff. All right, well, we're coming into the 80th minute then. Um, Anthony Knockart, first of all, Baldo, how did you think Anthony Knockart played? I think he was his usual, his usual self, if I'm being honest, you know, a, a solid seven. But if he had an end product, then he'd be getting eight to nines every week. He's yeah. just frustrating to watch, whether it be, you know, from, from set pieces with the short corners that we work out, or the fact that he likes to cut in and then you know, tries to be Iron Robin, but always either has his shot blocked or has a blazing right, right over the bar. He just doesn't have that end product. It was it was his usual before it was his usual performance from here. I don't think there's any he flattered to deceive, let's just put it that way. And he came off and was replaced by uh, Abu Kamara. We happy with the change and more importantly the, the timing of it, as I said, it was in, in the eighteenth bit. It was encouraging from Parker because, as we all know, he loves to make his defensive changes in the 80th minute or so, bring on two or three defenders to shore it up, whereas instead this was a bit of a like-for-like. Like. And it's good to see Kamara back and bringing him on the on the 80th minute is always an ideal thing because he can just run out those defences, run out those tired legs and just you know cause havoc. And it's also, it's also provided us with a useful alternative option now. For, for so much in this restart, we've been a bit thin on the attacking front. You know, that's why we've been having players like Sylvester Jasper on the bench. So having Kamara back is, you know, it's a big bonus for us. And yeah, like Nokar, he didn't have, he had his usual game, like Baldo said. 
So it was kind of good just to switch things up at that time. Stasso, were you surprised about the fact that after we took the lead, we went searching for a second goal? We didn't just sit back and think we're happy with a 1-0 here? I was a bit surprised. Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, so normally if we go 1-0 up, up with Scott Parker away from home, we do just set up shop and just sit back and hope that 1-0. And especially in a game like this, a playoff semi-final, you'd expect him to do the same. But I, I, I don't think it was kind of us pushing for another goal. We were just playing our usual selves. It was just Cardiff not really trying to have a go at us, really. Like in the second half, they they didn't really threaten that much at all, to be honest. So we could just play our game and get on with it without having to try and defend too much. We just we made them look very, very average, which is very encouraging. Well, the only time they got anywhere near our goal in the second half was when um, there was a, was it a free kick or, or just a cross that kind of came in? Cyrus Christie played Morrison on side and it kind of hit Morrison on the leg and just was gathered up quite easily by Rodak. They, they didn't have any attacking threat in the second half at all. And then in injury time, Tom Kearney did brilliantly to win a free kick right on the edge of the box. Baldo, talk to me about what happened next. Well, what happened next is every Fulham fan was having the was having the thing because it it that free kick is made for a left footer, just because the way the way that's positioned. So there was probably a split within the fan base who was thinking, does Tom Kearney take it, or does Niskins Cabano with the hot streak that he's on, does he take it? Um, I don't know what to say in regards to Niskins Cabano. Where has this guy been all season? Has he just has he been injured that we just you know weren't not, weren't told about? Like Kamara wasn't his injury we weren't told about in the past couple of weeks. Did he just not fancy it? Did Parker not fancy it? I don't know because he's come up with these absolutely cru- crucial goals. And you know this second goal in a in a two legged tie like this is like goal dust for us. It, it gives a whole new lease of life. And you know, gives the second game a whole new meaning. So where he, so where does mean I don't know. But as a free kick, just absolutely fantastic. You're, what else? What else can you say about it? He's where where the, he's had this in his locker, but we just haven't had a chance to see it. It's glorious. It's not just that though. I mean, do you remember a couple of years ago? It might have been um, the Brentford game in the promotion season when he came on a sub, and then Slav took him off again. And it looked like his Fulham career was over at that point, but he's he's hung around and he's bounced back, and and it's magnificent to see. Yeah, I, I don't I don't understand where he's come from. Like he's he's been fantastic for so long. Well, no, he hasn't been fantastic for so long. He's been average for so long, and he's just kind of been a squad player. And suddenly he stepped up when it's needed most. And the free kick was fantastic, but. So the whole game, he just had a he had a really good game. He was taking that right back on. He was cutting in. He was he was looking so energetic. And when we've been having wingers like Knockart and Cavalero, who were fantastic at the beginning of the season, but were kind of but dropped off towards the end, it's great to see that Cabana has kind of stepped up and taken his chance when he's when it's been available to him. And yeah, long may it continue. Yeah, absolutely. Uh... After the after the goal, there was a late change when Dennis Adoy came on for Cabano. It's it's a shame in so many ways that there wasn't a crowd there, so that Cabano could have got the the ovation and the adulation from the fans that he most definitely would have deserved. Certainly for the, for the goals he's been scoring recently. Um, with that in mind, then uh, there's a few contenders, but Baldo, I'll come to you first. Who was your man of the match this evening? I uh, I'll be honest. I'm going to plead the fifth here. I can't pick one. I just so many. Good performances. No one really stands out above the rest. Collective team award. Then, what about you, Stato? 
You know what? I would be inclined to agree with Baldo almost. You know, Rodak, he was making great saves and had a very solid game as usual. Christie, he had a good game at right back. Joe Bryan, he didn't do anything wrong. He was fine. I had to put in that great challenge. Reed was his usual self and Onoma scoring the great goal. And yeah, it was just a very good team performance. If you had to single someone out, I guess uh, it'd be easy to say Harrison Reed because he was fantastic and won everything and did his job perfectly. And without him, players like Onoma and Cabano couldn't get forward and attack like they did. So just because I had, just because I want to pick a player, I'd go for Harrison Reed. Fair enough, mate. I'd go for Onoma. I thought he was excellent. He was a driving force, getting us forward and and for the goal as well. I just I, I can't remember seeing a goal quite like that for a long time. So for me, I'm going Josh Onoma. Um, all right, so that's man of the match. Um, Stato, I'm going to come back to you for your Parker rating tonight. So the first half, we were very sceptical. We were very nervous. We were very frustrated, but he turned it around magnificently in the second half. And without having to make any changes either, it was all small tactical changes, which were brilliant for him. And you know, we only made two subs, which, considering we're allowed five now, that goes to show how well we played and how well Parker got it right. So that's, it's a high, it's a high nine out of ten tonight, I think. Yeah, fair enough. I'm, I'm going to go ten again. Uh, I think it's a fantastic away performance and victory. I think uh, we rode out the the first 20 minutes and after that we were completely in control. And I was so impressed and so excited to see that after we got the first goal, we didn't sit back and we went for a second one because that, as Paul noted earlier, completely changes the complexion of the game on on Thursday evening. To have a two-goal lead at home and potentially to have Mitrovic back as well, um, it looks exciting on paper, that's for sure. What about you, Baldo? What's your Parker rating tonight? Uh, I'm going to give a nine, uh, ten, uh, 10 out of 10 for what he did, you know, in terms of on the pitch. Um, but he's going to lose a point for me just for the way that he handled the Mitrovic situation. I get that he probably wants to hide some details, but I just think his non-committal answer to, you know, what was wrong with him just really irks me. So he's getting a point knocked out off of that. But everything on the pitch, 10 out of 10, but he gets a point knocked off. Fair enough. Well, we we don't really need to do a proper preview for the for the game on Thursday night, but let's just talk about how you think we're going to line up. If Mitrovic is fit, do we bring him back or do we have him on the bench or do we, dare I say it, risk not having him in the team at all, Stato? I think first and foremost, we can be confident, but we need to remember this is the playoffs and the playoffs are weird and wonderful games where anything can happen. You know, one of our own players, Anthony Knockout, he did that thing where he missed the penalty and Watford went down the other end and scored in that one playoff game between Watford and Leicester a few seasons ago. So anything can happen here. So we can be confident, but the job is very much far from finished. I think if Mitrovic is fit, it'd be a no-brainer for him to start. If he's only 80-90%, then I'd say don't risk it. Keep him on the bench if needed. And give Kamara a start up top and let him run havoc for 60, 70 minutes or so. I think uh, not that I, I was very critical of Kenny earlier, but I, I would drop him, but not because he played poorly, but because we're going to need to be protecting this two goal lead. And I'd rather have a Harry Art or a Stephanie Hansen in there just to, you know, stock up that midfield a bit and provide a bit more defensive support. But other than that, more or less the same team. Maybe a doy for Christie as well, but I'm not too fussed with that. 
and stuff. And how about you, Baldo? Any changes that you'd make? No, I think I think keep things as they are. My, I, th- I think the big talking point is going to be what happens with Mitrovic, and I'm, I, if he's a, I'm sort of similar to Matt. Arthur. I think if even if he's a hundred percent fit, I think he goes on the bench. You don't need him, and you don't play him unless you absolutely need him. Yeah, I, I I'm confident going into that game with a two 0 lead. I think you know Cardiff are going to have to go for it, and I think our pace we should be able to hit them on the break, maybe get maybe get one goal. But if things aren't going our way, I then that's when you bring Mitrovic on. But I wouldn't start him. I wouldn't risk him personally. I keep things as they are. In terms you of starting Bobby Reed, keep Bobby yeah. Reed up front. Yeah, absolutely. See, I quite like the idea that Stato just suggested a stars and Kamara for this because he's. He's played uh, a little bit tonight and he played a little bit against Wigan. And just give him a, a good hour or so against Cardiff um, would give us an outlet because Cardiff are going to have to come at us because um, they need the goals. And to have him on the pitch would be a really good way to play on the counter-attack to start with. Plus, it would get him a bit fitter if we were to make it through to the final. Yeah, definitely. And we can still play Bobby Reed. We could play Bobby Reed out wide or have Kamara out wide, Bobby through the middle. But yeah, like, like you said, Kamara, he's had a few games now to kind of get up to speed. And I think now would be the perfect time to give him that start. And yeah, like I said, Cardiff will be on the attack. And there are not many, personally, for, well, from Fulham's perspective, there's not many better players that we can have on the counter-attack than the Kamara. Not with his finishing, but getting into those chances. You know, finishing, that's kind of another story. But hey, we'll get to that bridge if we yeah. need to cross it, if we get those chances. Yeah. You're right, getting, getting in behind defence. Uh, defences. He is exciting to watch. Um, just, just if, if, he had a, if he had an end point, he wouldn't be playing for Fulham, let's be honest. All right. Um, no sitting on the fence then, boys. Um, how do you see the game going? What's your score prediction? I will go for a... I reckon it'll be another 2-0 Fulham win. I think we'll go 1-0 up in the first half, which will kind of almost kill the game a bit. And we'll just nick nick another one in the second and a nice little 2-0 win to make it a nice even 4-0 in aggregate. Oh, that would be nice, wouldn't it? Imagine, imagine getting through to the playoff final off the back of a 4-0 aggregate win. That would just be... That would be the dream, wouldn't it? Um... One thing, one thing I don't want to happen is an early Cardiff goal. We must avoid that at all costs because, again, that changes the complexion and it, and it almost puts um, the momentum back in their favour. So if we can just, you know, block out all of the attacks that, that they put together and um, and hopefully score on the counter, then, then that'd be lovely. Um, I can see it being one all at the Cottage on Thursday, but with a little bit of luck, we'll get the first goal. And then it won't really matter when they score. Baldo, coming to you. Yeah, I I echo Matt Arthur's sentiment personally. I think you know we'll get one goal in the first because kind of going to have to go for it more or less from the off. So I think one goal in the first half to more or less kill it off, and then maybe if Cardiff are going to keep throwing up throwing goals forward, you know, just on the on the off chance, then we'll nick another. So I'm going two nil, make it four nil. I think just quickly, like you said, if we can get to the first drinks break, so it's annoying that we have to go by quarters now, but if we can get to that first drinks break without conceding a goal, that will put us in a really good position for the rest of the game to just kind of crack on and just see it out and nick a couple of goals. 
All right, mate. Well, how, how do you see the other semi-final going? Because, of course, Brentford are a goal down after the first leg at the Liberty Stadium in uh, in Swansea. Um, they play their second leg on Wednesday night. So how do you see that going? And who would you want out of Brentford and Swansea to get into that final? It's a very good question. Um, the first the first leg, it was a very interesting game, I've got to be honest. Um, but two very attacking teams bit of a harsh red card for Brentford and Swansea nicked the goal and Brentford will be well up for it for this second leg. However, they have lost three on the bounce now, which that is very psychologically damaging, especially how much on form they were and now they've suddenly just lost three on the bounce. I think I think Swansea will urge it. I think they'll get a draw, which will take them through. And there'll be a very there'll be a tough there'll be there'll be tough opposition they will if we get to the final and if we play them in the final. But yeah, that, I think that second leg is more intriguing than our second leg at the moment. And for you, Baldo? Yeah, I I think it's very much balanced balanced on the ice edge. You know, Brentford are you know you could make you could make the argument that Brentford are the best team in the division because I think they scored the most goals. I think they conceded the least as well, or maybe they were up there with Leeds and had by far and away the best goal difference. So they are a, they are a team to be reckoned with. But at the same time, Swansea have hit their form at just the right time. So it's a very good. Yeah, I I personally again agree with Matt Arter. You know, this is very much 2010. I agree with Nick thing. I agree with Matt Arter on this. I can I can very much see it being a draw. And if I'm being honest, I, I, as much as Swansea are hitting form, I would much rather play them than Brentford because I think Brentford are the better of the two teams. But Swansea are just getting everything you know in in at the right stage at the moment. Well, whoever wins on Wednesday night, we will know who we could potentially be playing at Wembley next Tuesday were we to get the job done. But we're a long way from getting the job done yet. There's still a lot of football to be played. It's going to be a big week, that's for sure. We'll be back after the game on Thursday to discuss our fate and let's hope that we're previewing one final game this season as part of the show. Lads, thanks for joining me as always and thanks to you for listening at home. Speak to you all later in the week. Cheers.